Hey, welcome. I'm so glad that you guys are here. You're going to love this message. I've got a message that I believe is honestly for our time, for such a time as this. And you're probably aware that, uh, you know, one of the first things our governor did was he decided, he decided that we can have church, but there's no singing in church. I'm not sure who he was conferring with, but there's somebody else that doesn't want you singing and worshiping in church. If you don't know who that is, let me give you a clue. He wears red jam jams, carries a pitchfork, and has horns on his head with a pointy tail. And uh, so we just decided, yeah, you know, God bless you, but no thank you. We'll take a pass on that. We will be worshiping in church because my Bible says the whole earth, the whole earth, the whole earth shall be filled with the glory of God. The earth needs to be more like heaven. When you see buildings being torn down and people shooting strangers and people shooting babies and children in car seats and, and people getting shot down and mowed down in the streets, then you know that the earth needs a little to look a little more like heaven, a little less like hell. And earth never looks more like heaven than when we're in worship. When we're in worship, and so we're going to be, we're going to be worshiping. And then uh, obviously there was a, another edict that came out that, uh, you know, churches can't meet and we, we, we live in a precarious time. And so I want to give you three scriptures. The title of my message this morning is Territorial Dominion. Territorial Dominion. So let me give you three quick scriptures. The, the first one is in Genesis 1.28. Genesis 1.28, the book of Genesis. Everything begins in Genesis. Everything has its root, has its core, has its base, has its seed beginning in Genesis. In fact, the word Genesis uh, means beginnings. In the, the Hebrew, it's the, the word barashit, and which literally means the beginnings. And uh, Genesis one twenty eight says, And God blessed them, God blessed man, and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Somebody say dominion. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, on every living thing that moves on the earth. So, so God, God right there in the beginning. So Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man. Genesis 1.27, and God made man, because whatever God says, he does. God's a follow-through God. God watches over his word to perform, and he never just says something and then just takes his hands off. So he says, let us make man. Genesis 1.27, he makes man. The first thing he does after he makes man is he commissions man with his assignment. He tells man his jurisdiction. There are a lot of people walking around created by God, but they do not know. They are unaware. Satan has divided your 28 from your 27. You, and there are a lot of people that don't even know that they were created in the image and the likeness of God. So Satan attacks. Most people walk around. They don't know. They, they, they were told at school that they don't bear the image of God. They bear the, the image of a chimpanzee that got lucky, that kind of evolved. But you actually are the image bearer of the almighty God. You carry his image. Because you carry his image, he has an assignment for you, and that is for you to have dominion. The dominion, the dominion message is the message that we're meant to preach. If you read Matthew 24, 14, it says, In this gospel of the kingdom, the word kingdom means king's dominion. This gospel of the kingdom must be preached to the whole world, then the end will come. Today, a lot of people leave that out. They say, well, this gospel must be preached to the whole world. That's not what it says. It says this gospel of the kingdom, this gospel of the king's dominion. There is a gospel and it's all grace. 
It's all grace. It's all grace. It's all grace. And I believe in it's all grace. I believe that we are saved by grace. It is by grace that we're saved through faith. But, but once you're saved, he has an assignment. Once you're saved, he has an assignment. And the assignment is to overthrow the demonic, is to understand the presence of the satanic. And our job, is to, our job is to go into all the world and make disciples. Our job is to cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. Our, our job is the transformation of cities. Our job is to exercise dominion. God gave us dominion. Have a look at Revelation 12, verse 12. Revelation 12, 12 says this. It says, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell therein. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and sea. Revelation 12, 12. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and sea. Anybody live on the earth? But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great fury or great wrath, for he knows he has a short time. So the Bible says, rejoice, you heavens. Why rejoice? Because Satan was cast out. So you guys, you guys can now rejoice in heaven because the, the disrupting, rebellious, insurrectionist, murdering, lying angel created as Lucifer that rejects God, morphs into the accuser Satan, has been cast down to the earth. And a lot of people say, well, you know, the problem I have with you is you believe in conspiracy theories. Um, the problem I have is that you can't not believe in a conspiracy theory if you're a biblical Christian because the Bible introduces the conspiracy that there is a, there is a spirit called Satan who is conspiring to overthrow God, to overthrow his kingdom, to overthrow his dominion, that there is a spirit that seeks to enslave mankind, and it is happening. How do I know? Because we cast him out every freaking week. There's not a week that goes by that we're not casting out demons and we're not casting out demonic strongholds over people's lives that have gripped them in fear, depression, anxiety, addiction, drugs, lust, pornography. We cast them out. So we see the tentacles. We see we see it now in the highest echelons of governments and and and. Uh, right around the world, this, this satanic thing, and it rages against God. It rages against his commands. It rages against his laws. It rages in our schools. It rages in our universities. It rages in our media. And the only answer is not the government. The only answer is not the mayors and the legislature. The answer is the church. The church is the answer. So now come with me to, to 1 Chronicles chapter 5. First Chronicles chapter 5, again, in the context of territorial dominion. Let me read this, and then I, I want to pull out some points. And unfortunately, uh, time is getting away from me, so we're going to have to kind of move quick. So uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 5, reading from verse 18, says, The sons of Reuben, the Gadites, which means from Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Manasseh, had 44,000. 760 valiant men, men able to bear shield and sword, to shoot with the bow, skillful in war, who went to war. They made war with the Hagrites, Jetur, Nafish, and Nodab. They were helped against them, and the Hagrites were delivered into their hand, and all who were with them, for they cried out to God. For they cried out to God in the battle. And he heeded their prayer because 
because they put their trust in him. He heeded their prayer because they put their trust in him. Then they took away their livestock, 50,000 of their camels, 250,000 of their sheep, 2,000 of their donkeys, also 100,000 of their men, for many fell dead because the war was God's, and they dwelt in their place until the captivity. So the children of the half-tribe of Manasseh dwelt in the land. Their numbers increased from Bashan to Baal Hermon, that is to Sunir or Mount Hermon. These were the heads of their father's houses, Epha, Ishi, Eliel, Azriel, Jeremiah, Hudaviah, and Jadiel. They were mighty men of valor, famous men and heads of their father's houses. Now, sad verse, verse 25. And they were unfaithful to God. They were unfaithful to the God of their fathers, and they played the harlot after the gods of the peoples of the lands whom God had destroyed before them. So the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Paul, king of Assyria, that is Tiglath, Pileser, king of Assyria, and he carried away the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh into captivity. He took them to Halahabohara, and the river goes there to this day. It's the rise and fall of a nation, and there are lessons that we can learn from there. When God sent us to, to America, if I was honest with you, I'm like, yay, I love America. I can't wait to go to America. There's so much that is magnificent. All our, all our best TV shows in Australia were from America. All the greatest products. I remember when McDonald's came to Australia. The, the innovation, the creativity of America is unparalleled. America has less than 5% of the world's population and yet produces annually more wealth than the rest of the world combined. There is a blessing that is undeniable. There is an exceptionalism that is undeniable that is on America. The hand of God is mightily on America. That's why Satan has arrayed all of his forces to try and take down, to try and destroy this great nation. No nation in all of human civilization has lifted so many people out of poverty. The great empires and the great civilizations of the past could not solve the problem of how do we feed our people? How do we feed our people? America is so prosperous that on many, many occasions and many, many years, she has to, from the government, pay her farmers not to produce because we have such an over and abundance. What she exports around the world and even what is thrown out because of the abundance, it is undeniable that the blessing of God rests upon America. So when God called me to America, I thought I was coming to enjoy. I thought I was coming. Maybe it was a reward. Maybe God was rewarding me. I had no idea that God was sending us to America because he needed us for the battle that is in front of us, for the battle that is right before us today. So let me give you some, let me give you some thoughts this morning in our time together. The, the first thought I want you to understand is the strength of the warriors determine the peace and the territory of a tribe or a nation. It's the strength of the warriors. The Bible says that this was the, 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 the sons of Reuben, which was a tribe, the sons of Gad, which was a tribe, and the half-tribe of Manasseh or Manasseh. And that there was 44,760 valiant men. Now, these tribes had little ones. These tribes had families. These tribes had farmers, agriculturists. These tribes had lawyers and, and potters and, and uh, craftsmen, artisans, cooks, chefs. Th these tribes did life. But if they didn't have warriors, their, their livelihood would be destroyed. 
they, they, they would not be able to enjoy the treasures. America has a strong military. We have the, the mightiest military in the world because our founding fathers recognized biblical principles that if, if you cannot protect your borders, if you cannot protect your citizens, they can't en- enjoy the treasures that somebody stronger will come and plunder those treasures. It's sad that many people look at me even maybe now with almost like disbelief. But it's one of the basic teachings of Jesus. He said, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he comes and binds that strong man, takes away the armor in which he trusted, he is now able to plunder the house. In the church, I, I'm concerned that we're, that we're gathering people and we're, we're, we're letting them suckle on the milk of just grace only, grace only, grace only. And we're not raising any warriors. We're not raising, we're not raising men and women that know how to shabra da We're raising men and women that don't know how to bind the devil, that don't know how to loose. They don't know, they don't understand their authority. They don't understand how to bind with chains, how to bind with fetters and shackles, the works of darkness, how to stand against, how to oppose. We have a generation that are so spiritually dull They have no discernment of the signs, the times, the seasons, and and the wickedness that is upon us. And so we need a generation to rise up. We need warriors, the strength of the warriors. If we want to enjoy the treasures, and the treasures we have here are peace, freedom, love, wealth, prosperity, opportunity, equal opportunity for every single person. But these things are under attack because the church has stepped back. But it's time for the church to step up. So the strength of the warriors. Number two, the word valiant. It says that these were valiant men. To be valiant means to be boldly courageous or brave. To be boldly courageous or brave. It's amazing. As, as Leanne and I began to discover just, just posting the truth on social media, whoa, what a kickback. We have found that, that right now just to speak the truth, political correctness is a war on truth. The devil hates the truth because Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall. So the devil doesn't want the truth out there because he doesn't want people free. He wants people bound. So now we live in the aftermath where it's much easier to be a woke pastor with a deep V-neck and skinny jeans, glasses that you don't need for reading, to just be, be woke and popular, but not say or empower anything. Meanwhile, a nation is on the brink of demise. We need to raise up valiant men, valiant women who are boldly courageous and brave. We cannot cower to the enemy, but we've got to be willing to face. We've got to be willing to confront. We refuse not to engage the devil for our city. I honestly believe that it's every pastor of every, of every church in every city, it's your job. To, to recognize what demonic spirits have been assigned over your region, have been assigned over your territory, and name them. Go after them. Set up prayer and fasting. Daniel was in Babylon, was in Babylon when the archangel Gabriel came to him and said, Oh, Daniel, greatly beloved, on the very first day you humbled yourself to pray, I was sent from heaven in response to your prayer. He says, however, I was left alone to do battle with the prince 
of the kingdom of Persia. Because he was in Babylon in, in the Persian Empire, there was a strong man, there was a demonic spirit, a prince, a principality, Persia, that was withstanding me. And the saddest thing is he says, I was left alone there. Now it's interesting because Gabriel said, I came in response to your prayer. I was sent because your prayer was heard in heaven and I was dispatched in response to your prayer. But I was left alone to do battle with the prince of Persia because everybody had become so overwhelmed, nobody else was praying. He says, but Daniel, because you didn't only pray on day one, you prayed day two, day three, day four, you doubled down. You doubled down with prayer and fasting. You added in some fasting. And on day 21, three times seven, day 21, Michael, God says, go, was released. And he took out the prince of the kingdom of Persia. So I was able to get through. Now I must tell you things that need to take place after this. You know, the saddest thing is 2,000 years ago, the devil was defeated. The tragedy today is he goes uncontested. 2,000 years ago, Jesus defeated the devil, crushed the devil's head, took the keys of death, took the keys of hell, rose again on the third day, defeated the devil. And the great tragedy today is the devil goes uncontested. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. But we don't contest the devil for our colleges. We don't contest the devil for our high schools. We don't contest the devil for our city. We just hope that maybe he leaves us alone. We just hope that maybe if we become subservient, if we become obedient, what about devil? Look how woke I am. I'm too woke for you to attack. No, no we, we, we need a generation that says, devil, over my, not on my watch, Bob. You will back off. You will get your hands off. We declare the spirit of suicide. You're coming down. We declare the spirit of addiction. You're coming down. We declare the spirit of human trafficking and exploitation. You're coming down in the name of Jesus Christ. We stand against the spirits of wickedness and injustice. We stand against the spirit of division that is trying to divide our nation along, uh, our nation along racial lines. It is a lie from the devil. We bind that thing in the name of Jesus Christ. We declare there is one race, the human race, and we love each other. We all may be different colors and different flavors and different expressions, but that, that's what makes us awesome. When I go to an ice cream shop, I love the variety of flavors. That's how God looks at the world. He sees us all as different flavors, different colors. We stand against the lies of the devil that says because you're different, you're less than or you're better than. or you're. We, we stand against those lies in Jesus' name. So we need valiant people. Now, I love this. It says, able to bear the shield. Able to bear the shield. It's interesting that that one's first. Able to bear the shield. I love the movie 300. The movie 300, there's a, uh, there's a scene where uh, King Leonidas goes out to take on, I think it's almost a million Persians. And he's just got the 300 Spartans. But 300 Spartans, and they move together. But up in the hills, there's a deformed son of a Spartan warrior. And the family moved out because they knew that any defect in a child, they would just commit infanticide. They would leave the child exposed to die. And the parents couldn't do this. It was their only son. His name was Ephialtes. Ephialtes literally means nightmare. It was a nightmare that they had this deformed kid. And they, they could see him. And so they come to Leonidas. And, there's, and he says, I know I've seen him. I've been watching him the last three days. So Leonidas meets with him. And he says, sir, I want to fight against the Persians. My, my father was a great Spartan. And he had the uniform of a Spartan on. This is my father's uniform. This is my father's sword. And so he goes, and he thrusts the sword. And Leonidas, 
can see that he's been trained. His papa had done a great job training him because the aesthetics of his body, the, the thrust and the sword was just perfect. His poise, his posture. And Leonidas says to him, wow, you, you, you've got to, he says, I just want to go out and kill some Persians. I, I can help you. And he says, well, one thing I need to ask you, lift your shield. He's like, what? Lift your shield. And because he's a hunchback, when he tried to lift his shield, ah, he couldn't lift it up. And he says, I'm sorry. He says, you can't fight with me in the battle because our shields don't just protect ourselves. The shield of a Spartan forms a phalanx. Your shield locks with the other shields. It doesn't just protect you. It protects the man on your left, the man on your right, and those directly behind you. We move as one unit. Any break in that, we're all exposed. I'm sorry, you can't fight with me. The devil knows that if he can create self-centered Christians, myopic Christians, me Christians, it's all about me. It's about my wounds, my effect. There are times you have you got to lift up your shield of faith, not just for you. There are times where I've had to step out in faith where I didn't feel any faith, but I realized that there are people behind me. There are people beside me that need me to just lift up my shield of faith. Faith is a shield that you lift when sometimes you least feel like lifting your shield because at some point it's got to no longer be about you. At some point it's about the mission. At some point it's about the assignment. At some point it's about the city. At some point it's about other people. And we've got to be more committed sometimes to our team and to others than we are to ourselves. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.